Hello, and welcome to the Minnesota Music Makers Podcast. My name is Josh, and I hope y'all are doing well out there. You know, it's going to make me sound old when I say it, but I cannot believe how quick this year seems to be flying by. Like we're in April. I can't believe it. But it makes me think a little bit about how I'm mapping out life now, and perhaps you as well. You know, as we're hitting this spot in our lives, at least in our 30s, you know, uh, there's so many responsibilities from it was, you know, like 12 years ago. As a musician, as an artist, you know, you'll find you only have so much time to do things that were recreational or sometimes just like an everyday thing, like hanging out with friends and writing music until three or four in the morning, uh, getting to do your day job, then do it all over again, you know? Now we have families, we have relationships, uh, full-time jobs, and just trying to keep all those cups filled while not totally feeling drained yourself. Uh, You know, I think that's going to be a fairly recurring theme as things go along. And, um, you know, I hope you all are managing that as well. Uh, Because I know it's not the easiest thing to do. And someone who is certainly not a stranger to having to play that life balance is my next guest, Uncle T, who was a musician who grew up in Minnesota. And I found out uh, much later in life, compared to some others, that actually came into music and actually got a lot thrust into their lap really fast um, from doing open mics at Can Can Wonderland and uh, just kind of going from there, like seriously just going from there. Um, I'll let her tell tell her story because she tells it really well. And the whole discussion was just great. And just hearing her talk... Um, and hearing the background of her name, uh, she gave me, you know, proper, some good advice throughout the whole discussion and certainly sticks to her namesake of um, kind of like uncle fatherly advice. I certainly admire her drive and, uh, you know, her thought process in music, how far she's come in, you know, in, in a fairly short time from when she started. And even after making a huge move out to her current location in Philly, um, you know, that, that for me, that, that scares me personally to ever think about doing that. But it sounds like they're thriving out there too, and that's, that's awesome. I, I love to hear that. And they actually do have a show coming up called The Homecoming. Uh, they have a homecoming show, Family Reunion, at uh, Ice House in Minneapolis coming up in May, May 14th, uh, with a stacked bill of really great artists, musicians, rappers, um, something she put together because uh, she likes to have a good time, you know, likes to get friends together in a fun, friendly environment so everyone can hang out and listen to some great music, uh, which is something that as you'll hear, was something she was doing for for years, kind of, on end. And um, I imagine for now it feels nice to have kind of a break from all that hectic, <laughs> all that hectic planning. Um, but I am excited to see her come back and perform in May here. 
Uh, in the midst of this discussion, I did have a little bit of uh, technical difficulties, which is why at the end um, I didn't give her enough time to promote herself. So my apologies on that, Uncle T. Um, but I will say, check out her Instagram page at your, Y-O-U-R, period, uncle, U-N-C-L-E, period, T, just the letter. They also have a link tree up there, um, can take you to uh, links to her music. She also has a side business, um, Side Hustle Salt. You can check out a little bit more of the bio on there for some info, and she gives a little bit of info on that near the end, too. Um, if you're looking for something nice and flavorful or a gift for uh, someone that you care about, check that out. So, yeah, it was I enjoyed the conversation, and it certainly made me think about the role of or the relationship between a producer and an artist and how that can really make or break a song or an album, you know? But yes, without further ado, here is Uncle T. It's easy being me any day of the week. Anything I want to be on caffeine and nicotine. But my friends call me T. Some refer to me as uncle. Hip hop is a relief. It tends to keep me out of trouble. I start to get caught up in my thoughts. Staring through a looking glass. I don't notice a few hours have passed. Things all happen so fast. I'm just trying to catch my breath and relax. I don't think that's really too much to ask. I like my liquor. Faster you drink it, the drunker you get quicker. As a kid, I thought by now I'd have it all figured out. Someday I'd understand what life is all about. What's going on? Good morning. Not much. Not much. Good morning to you, TT. Uh, how's your weekend starting off? Oh, it's pretty good. I don't really know. I was reading uh, reading the diary of Anne Frank this morning, and oh. then I made some breakfast, and I've just been kind of chilling. So it's off to a decent start, I'd say. Nice. Nice. Well, thank you for joining me today, as uh, your rapper name is Uncle T., I uh, where did the uncle part come from? Well, it was a nickname before it was my artist name, so it okay. was like a name that people used to call me kind of playfully, just because I kind of have like a like a dad vibe, you know, just like the way that I like dress and kind of just just sort of my persona is kind sure. of like however that is. So people used to call me that kind of like as a joke. So. Then when I started getting into music, it just seemed like super obvious. Like I didn't really even like think twice about what I was going to be called. So yeah, it's a it's just kind of a cute nickname people used to say. Cool, cool. Well, I know we haven't officially met in person, but it's nice to meet you today. You too. Yeah, Thank it's you. a pleasure. I, uh, I appreciate the opportunity to just chat about kind of what I've been up to and stuff. Yeah, you have seen your name on flyers for years, so I... I'm definitely interested to hear your history and your background and get to know you a bit better today. I guess to start off with, did you grow up in Minnesota then? I did. Yeah. Um, I wasn't born in Minnesota, but I was, you know, you know, I spent like my whole life there pretty much. So I was born in Colorado. And then, you know, when I was like so small to like, I don't even remember when I'm, I think I was like two or three when I moved to Minnesota, I lived there most of my whole life. So yeah, I grew up in the suburbs. My parents were pastors, and uh, 
Yeah. I consider okay. myself a Minnesotan, even though technically I wasn't born there, but it's, I don't remember any other place, you know, for sure. Yeah. I, I share that with you. Um, I was originally from Lima, Peru, and then oh, adopted wow. and my parents, uh, were from Alabama and my mom got a job up here at a church as a matter of fact. Oh, wow. So, so they were both youth ministers. My dad still is. My mom was. So I guess we share oh, a little wow. bit of that. We sure so do. A couple yeah, of you, PKs. So were you Catholic then or, or no, they were like um Foursquare was the denomination, which is a like mostly like a West Coast or like international denomination. I would say for most people it would be that can be very similar to like Lutheran, you know. Okay. Uh, pretty just like that was the type of church that they had, basically just like a regular Christian church, essentially. Okay. Cool. And then what would be some of your earliest memories uh, with music starting out? Well, to kind of bring it back to my parents, my dad was a, has always been a musician. So he was like kind of like at my age was very like into music and stuff and like but more like the Christian like rock star sort of a vibe. Um, yeah. So he was always like in like bands and stuff and he did like music at all at all like the church stuff growing up so I have like a lot of like church history in terms of where like my you know musical background comes from and stuff like that it's just like my parent my dad was a musician but he still is um more of like a jazz musician now but no longer hasn't been a pastor a really long time but yeah so mm-hmm. just grew up around it my dad's always been a guitar player great guitar player and stuff so yeah just always been around music Nice. Did you play any instruments growing up? I did kind of, but I never really stuck with it. Like I have kind of like an interesting like background in terms of like, I didn't, I didn't really like try at anything until I was like 21. You know, like I, I didn't have like a lot of hobbies. I was like pretty overweight as a kid. Like I would start stuff and not finish it. You know, I think I just kind of didn't really like believe in myself. So like the first album I dropped was called the first and the last one that I dropped is called late bloomer. And it's like, I've always like felt like very like attached to that sort of concept. Cause I, I didn't really find music until like a lot later in life. I didn't, I didn't start making music till about five years ago now and I'm 32. So I was, you know, 27 when I start, when I first started like throwing myself into music. So, okay. uh, Yeah. Like I played around with little stuff. My dad would try to teach me guitar. I had a bass, but it's like, I never, I never really stuck to it. Now I have a guitar, but I don't really play it that much. I'm feeling a little more called to it now because I live in Philly. And like, I've noticed that like the, the music scene here is a lot more instrument focused than um, Minneapolis would be. It's still, Mm -hmm. it's still very heavy hip hop and stuff, but it's like hip hop and R and B like with live bands. So a lot of the open mics and stuff, it's just like kind of just implied that everybody plays instruments. Which so it's like kind of like a higher level of skill, like in a lot of ways. So it's been encouraging me, and also too just to have the desire to kind of have like full control of the songs that I'm making. I can make beats a little bit. Like I went to like a Slam Academy. Do you know what that is? Uh, uh, I went to I've Slam Academy for like hip hop yeah. production like two years ago. Yeah, it's like a, it's really cool. It's like an electronic music school. So I went there to like, just kind of like learn the basics of like production and stuff like that. But I think for me, it's just like, I'm just not like, I just can't really get myself that interested in it. So I've been preferring on working with other people that can kind of like execute something that I kind of have in my head 
and kind of having that close relationship with people. But I like the the organic nature of a guitar where like there's nobody in between, but like me and that instrument. So I'm trying to discipline myself to, to work on that more. Very cool. Yeah. That's a route I like to take too, is I like the live instrumentation, but then to try and find a way to like loop it and make it into like a more, make it do a really cool beat. Sure. But yeah, for, for production, what are some of the producers that you've worked with in the past? Um, I think that's really cool that for hip hop, you know, you can like get like uh, producers for like whatever kind of palette or kind of feeling that you want for a song. But yeah. Um, yeah, well, you know, I have a lot to say about kind of like my experience working with producers. And I, I think I talk about this like a lot with other people that make music, but you know, it's like when I first got into making music, like, beats and stuff was like a very like mysterious thing because it's like there's a lot of different ways you can go about it you know it's like some people when they first are getting started like they'll just like rip youtube beats you know and they'll just like they'll just like they won't own the beats or have any part in it or whatever and it's like i don't know if you're into like zodiac shit but like i'm a capricorn and i have like i take things to the extreme like if I'm going to do it, you know, so it's like, I went about it in this way, like way too extra, you know, it's like when I wasn't even like good at what I was doing, I was like paying like big bucks for beats. And I was like, you know, cause I thought like, that's what I needed to do. You know what I mean? I think I took myself like way too seriously in the beginning. And I should have just like used the resources that were available to me, like beats online and stuff like that until I, until I needed to spend that kind of money, but that's not how I did it. Uh, I, so I would like buy beats, you know, and get all the stems and everything from, from people. And I pay like good money for it. And I wanted like exclusive beats, but it's like, if no one's listening to your music, like you don't need exclusive beats. If you're just using these songs as a way to grow and stuff, you really don't need all that. You could just, you could at the minimum, you could lease a beat from beat stars for 20 bucks. You know what I mean? Like you don't need all this extra stuff. But that being said, like it, it felt very transactional, regardless of the cost and everything. It was extremely transactional. I wasn't very good. So people that were selling me beats, they weren't that interested in the product that I was going to, that was going to result from it. You know what I mean? And so it's like, I've worked for years and years with so many different people. And I was always kind of like seeking like the connection that you have with a, with a producer where it's like, you're both just as equally like involved in the process and, and the outcome. And you're both like equally kind of proud of that. And it's not like something where it's an exchange and especially like having a producer that um, produces music for you specifically is a goal that I've had for a long time. So I finally, I have that now with a couple of different people really, but primarily, I don't know if you are familiar with rising path. Uh, I am not. No. Okay. We should check out their music. Um, Rising path is like a duo. They're like, their names are Quint. And James and James is a producer. Quint's like a, like a singer, basically. Um, so we did a song together. It's called "Figure You Out." It just went uh, really well, and so we've been working on a, like an EP for the past like six months to a year or so. So that'll be the next thing I come out with, and I'm super excited just because all the beats like were made for me with me in mind, and it's like and it's like we kind of bounce ideas off on each other. So it's very much like we're both involved in sort of the mixing process. And it just feels really good to have that relationship with somebody. But outside of that, I mean, man, I feel like I've gotten beats from like, there's so many people that I can't even like, I can't even, I don't even know how to tell you. I've worked with a lot of people in terms of, but I felt like a lot of it was transactional. I don't know if you can even say worked with, you know, it's like I got beats from people 
that made beats and I made songs out of them. But uh, I'm not sure that it was more a, really a working relationship up until this past couple of years. So, yeah. 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 And that track, I took a listen to it again this morning. I was like, oh, man, it sounds awesome. And it's I like that it definitely fits you. And that's really cool that you have a lot of power behind that track. And it sounds like you found some a really good crew to work with. That is incredibly important putting out your music it is definitely and um it's kind of kind of cool crazy too because james which is half of rising path just moved to florida so him and i moved like out of minnesota like a really similar amount of time but it hasn't really mattered you know what i mean like it's uh i've been working with people like in philly a little bit um just some friends here like like writing music like with instruments and stuff which is really cool it's like the first time i've really done that i'm just like Mm -hmm. writing with like a band and that's been really fun, but also it's just like, I doesn't really matter where I live. I can work remotely with, with people and uh, just coming out to Philly and kind of reestablishing some of those like studio connections. That was kind of a challenge at first, but now I'm working with like a studio out in Philly, which is just a couple blocks from me. So I've been recording that project and then recording some other stuff with them. So I am feeling like pretty settled in terms of like my connections and stuff and I finally feel like I'm kind of at this place where like it took me so long to figure out like not just the beats, man, but like the production part of it and the mixing and just like what sounded good and what didn't sound. And it's just like so many trial and error stuff, you know, it's like over five years of time. Like it's all been like trial and error to like get to this place where like everything can be out of the way and I can just like make the music that I want to make. And I feel like I'm finally at that point. Where like I've learned enough lessons and all this stuff. And now it's like I have like the tools that I need that I developed over time to be able to like execute the music I actually want to make. And that was kind of the whole goal. Awesome. And I'm glad you feel like you've gotten to that point because it, it does take a lot of what you just said, just figuring things out and what feels most comfortable for you. Because unless yeah. you're in that comfortable space, you know, then it's feels like you're walking on eggshells in some ways oh, sure. oh yeah and there's like the, just like even just like overpaying people underpaying people like it or taking like p- having to wait on other people to get you back the things that you need and like or just like just so many like nightmare experiences like with people that just over time it's like oh i'm so glad i don't have to like deal with that again now that i kind of know what i'm doing you know and yeah it just takes a, it takes a long time too for people to take you seriously. You know, I think that's the thing about it with music is that one of my sort of like mantras is like, you, if you're not brave enough to be mediocre, then you'll never be great. You know? <laughs> and it's like, that's how I felt is like, I had to put myself out there. And I, even though like, I knew I wasn't really that good for like the last like several years, you know, it's like, I'm just in the past year or two, I'm like, okay, like I finally am making music that if I listened to this and I didn't know me, I would listen to it. You know what I mean? Cause I don't know if you've ever yeah. kind of thought about that. Or it's like, I thought about my old music and I'm like, I don't know if I heard this and I like was not aware of me at all. If I would like put this on a playlist or not, you know what I mean? And it's like, really, yeah. it's harder than people would think to make music that you would listen to. If you didn't know you, you want to love somebody, you should start with yourself. Deep down, you know that you can't really trust no one else. If I ever have a kid, that'll be the first lesson. And second, don't do any of the shit that I did. And come to think of it, 
all the pills that I did. Cheap thrills for good goals. Maybe you changed me a bit. But tell me, what did I miss? I came a long distance. Mama used to say that I was so gifted. But I was just a misfit who grew up a little twisted. And with all due respect, it's silly to suggest the concept of beauty always rising from the darkness. Nothing is further from the truth. The proof is in the pudding, has worth a thousand words. Back in the beginning, before I had quite emerged, a dopeness deep within me inspired me to write a verse so that I might change the world using the power of my words. Paper, 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 piece, rock, and action, be stuck. Even if it's a little, even if it's a lot, I'm coming out. Yeah, we are our hardest critics. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and you've definitely made changes over the years. Um, like even listening to back to a business casual. Oh. And as you said on <laughs> as you said on your bio, I, I read on the Spotify of like how it's gone from a little more uh hip hop and rhyming to a bit more like the R and B kind of feel, yeah. which has been a very cool transition and that yeah, everybody thanks. changes over time. Yeah. Um, how has that transition been for you over these years? Uh, has it been a challenge or was it just kind of natural for you? Well, um, I know it's a big question. There was a too. Lot, well, there was a lot of reasons behind it. I think first of all, so like I go, I, I like to start that explanation for that. Just to say like, before I was a rapper, I had like a seven year, like long history with like fire spinning. So like, I was like a juggler and like, I would like spin fire props and I would teach people to do it. And I would like travel sometimes to perform like, you know, so that was like my whole life. Like it was like this huge thing that like, I was like obsessed with. And when I mentioned before, like that was the first, I, I didn't really try it anything until I was like 20. That was the first thing that really taught me that like, I, that it taught me like self-confidence and like, it taught me like discipline and like kind of how to learn things and like kind of gave me like passion for the first time in my life. But eventually like it made me kind of unhappy. Eventually I felt like I really felt strongly. I wanted to do music, but since I performed so much and I like really put myself out there in all these different ways, like it really served as a really good foundation for me to have the confidence to rap, which is kind of why it came to me at later in life, you know, like that helped me develop that, that sense of, you know, self-confidence and like the ability to perform and things like that. And I felt like rap was kind of like the next layer of confidence that was required for me to like express myself. And I still think like what makes, you know, any art that I do, what makes it beautiful in any respect is just that it's expressing like who I am truly. So it's like, I can use lots of mediums to express who I am and it can be just as as wonderful, but I feel like there's kind of levels to it. So with rap, that was kind of the second level for me of being like vulnerable. And, but it also kind of has like this, like, you know, almost, you know, cockiness behind it in general, like hip hop does, like there's still a little bit to hide behind. There's still sort of a persona that you have in hip hop. That's still like, it's not quite as vulnerable as something like singing is. And so I felt I felt that kind of, I felt the draw to challenge myself a little bit more and be a little bit more vulnerable than, than I felt like hip hop was. And it felt a little bit more like true to me. The second thing was just like, I think like hip hop comes with like a lot of expectations. Like if you're going to claim that you are a hip hop artist, 
it's like people feel like they have like like that you're like you know you're about to like freestyle on the spot or like you should have like you should have all this like you should be a certain way if you're going to be a rapper right and you should have like certain everyone should kind of have the same abilities and like it's kind of like competitive and it's very like male centered you know what i mean and it's like as somebody that like threw a show for a few years in minneapolis i don't know i think the hip hop scene could use some some work in terms of some of the issues, just like with being very male dominated, even being very like white dominated, you know, like I think that was something else that I kind of had an issue with and kind of like examining sort of my own role in that and kind of just questioning kind of like if that was something that I wanted to keep doing was like throw a show there and or like even just like I just felt like I wanted to explore singing because it had um, it was a little bit more of a just sort of like an open territory I felt that I could explore without having some of those conflictions surrounding it so and also too I think like I love hip-hop and stuff but I think I'm kind of like a better singer than I am a rapper like I like to rap and stuff like that but I think it's kind of like my true persona as an artist is more of a singer it just took me a while to get there and it kind of like started with me just sort of like singing some of the hooks on songs that I would write and then sort of just elongating the words a little bit where I was kind of doing like a half singing um and eventually to like actually like sing singing in songs so I'm still like I'm still learning about singing and I think that's part of it that's really fun is that like I'm starting I feel like I'm kind of at the beginning of my journey with it so it's just a fun thing to explore for a lot of reasons for me. Definitely. So you got it. You got kind of your start in finding that strength behind yourself in, in us, in the fire, fire twirling. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how, that did, works. how did you come about that? Um, honestly? Yeah. I used to like rave, go to a lot of raves mm-hmm. and like do a lot of drugs. And I would like glow stick and shit, you know, I was like 19, you know, in like 2010 or whatever. And so I used to like go, I partied a bunch and I did a bunch of crazy shit and I I found like glow sticking in like the rave scene. So I was really into the rave scene for a couple of years, which led to like the glow sticking led to like the fire stuff. And then, and then I got like totally immersed in sort of like the fire spending, like hippie culture for like a really long time. I, I was very dedicated to it. Like, that's pretty much an understatement. Like, anybody that knew me from the time I was, like, 20 to 27, they knew that that was, like, who I was. I identified with it a lot. Um, So then I, like, basically took off, like, two years of having a hobby. And I had a girlfriend. You know, that was my hobby for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And then uh, started to get that itch. Actually, I went to, like, because I always like to rap and stuff, like, kind of to myself. I had never written, like, a whole song before. I would, like, write little verses when I was, like, stoned and stuff. And it was something I always thought I could be good at, but I never really tried to do it. And then one day I went to a soldier boy concert as like a joke. <laughs> and then um, like my friends were going and they had like free tickets or something. So I went and I just got like weirdly inspired by the concert because I felt like I kind of felt like I could do a better job. You know, I was like, I, everybody was super hyped and there was a ton of people there, but I was kind of like, man, like this dude's not even really saying anything. Like, I'm like, it kind of just inspired me because I was like, that's 
people that aren't even saying anything at all, like can have like a successful career. So it's like, what about if I, you know, I just, it inspired me, not because I was trying to hate on it, but just because I was encouraged to kind of put my own spin on it and like feel that confidence. And I, at that same time, I ran into this old friend of mine that I had at this concert and he was basically like, yeah, if you ever want to rap or whatever, you want to record stuff. Like I have a studio at my house. So like after that concert, like the next day I started like writing like my first like full song. And that was like five years ago now, uh, almost exactly. Then like a couple months later, after I had like polished it up and everything, I did like an open mic at Fifth Element. That was the first time like I rapped like in real life. And then like the next week I did like a, an open mic at Can Can Wonderland. It was like a hundred dollar prize. And I won the prize, right? So I was like yeah. super encouraged. This is my second time like performing. And um, I was super hyped about it. I started doing those open mics at Can Can Wonderland all the time. And they had every Thursday, it was a $100 prize. And I would win like a lot. I won a lot of the time. So that was cool. And so like one of the managers of the, the promoters for Can Can Wonderland was like, came to me and kind of assumed that I was like further along in my career than I actually was. Mm-hmm. And was like, hey, like, we want to start like a hip hop show here at Can Can Wonderland. Like, would you want to throw a show here? But I had never even like performed in any kind of shows other than these like open mics. So I just kind of was like, yeah, sure. And kind of pretended like I knew what I was doing. And I was like, I'm sure I can figure it out. So I like threw a show there and I invited like everyone I knew. And I got some rappers around town from open mics that I knew. And I threw that, but it was like six months after the first time that I had performed. So it was like all pretty fast, you know, like I had like, and then like the show went super well, the residency. So like within like less than a year, like of me starting the whole rapping thing, I had, I had my own show, you know? So it was like a pretty fast thing. And it kind of like catapulted me into the music scene in Minneapolis because I had like an opportunity for a show. Then so I got to meet people and I had like a budget from Can Can. So I could pay all the artists. And so that was kind of rare. Like I could pay people up front for this shit. And I didn't have, and it was like a guaranteed check that all the artists would get. So it was like, it kind of was like a cheat code in a sense, honestly. Yeah. Because I just got to know as many people as I, as I booked. Every time I booked a show, I knew that much more people than I did before. So it kind of just like, and you know, developed into a community and everything. And that's how I know a lot of people that I know in the cities now. And then about a year into it, I was kind of like, um, just a lot to do once a month. So I like reached out to CMJ and that's how I, uh, and I had been going to a lot of open mics with CMJ. I had known him like a little time. Um, so I asked him if he would want to do the show with me just because it's a lot of work to do every month. And I thought if we like combine forces, it would be um, just a better situation. Take one, take two, take three. Doing it and we're doing it daily. Everybody, gentlemen and ladies, hands high to the sky, get down and stay free. Call it complicated, but I feel like it's simple. Stay busy on the daily, man, this life is a handful. Playing shows and working full-time is nothing short of eventful. My girl calling all the time, like, why didn't you answer? This rap game has my soul up for ransom. I can't stop till I created a quintessential anthem. Minnesota homegrown, that's where my heart is at. From St. Paul to East Lake Street, all the way up to the north side. I do remember seeing a lot of your flyers uh, popping around town and that's awesome that you got that opportunity to give other artists 
an opportunity like that. That's yeah, I, I was promoting for a number of years and yeah, I definitely, a lot of money came out of my pocket, <laughs> my girlfriend's pocket too, to just help make shows work. But yeah, absolutely. So that's why it was kind of like this rare thing. And it was, it was on a Saturday night and it was like, it was just like, it had all the components of like a show to like be successful. So it was like, I just kind of had like the key ingredients, like right away. And yeah. so that's kind of what I meant though, about where it's like, I had to examine later on in in my life, uh, in my career as an artist and kind of examine like how my own privilege, like uh, catapulted me to the position that I was in. Mm -hmm. And I had to kind of question that a little bit um, and kind of wrestle with that. And I kind of felt like people of color should really take the stage when it comes to hip hop shows. And I didn't really want to be the face of it. So it was like, not that I was the face of all the Minneapolis hip hop, but it's like, I didn't want to have that that role really anymore uh, i just really wanted to be an artist and i really got into hip-hop to to be an artist you know what i mean like i didn't ever like that show essentially for all intents and purposes dropped into my lap mm -hmm. and so i was becoming pretty unhappy with that position in that sense and i'm not to say i felt bad or i was like about myself or anything like that i just felt like a shift kind of taking place in me where i was like i don't really like want to be like a a promoter or anybody like that I just want to like work on my craft so when COVID happened and things like that I was kind of like at the place already in my life where I was really trying to focus more on music than I was on throwing shows so um it kind of came at a good time for me in that sense because it was like two and a half years of doing a show every month and then doing other shows as well so I was like I did you know so sometimes I did like I don't know, anywhere from like three to like five shows in a week at, you know, at a, at a period in my life. Jeez. <laughs> but I mean, I also, I, so not only did I have that uh, local dope shit, I also ended up doing another residency. Um, so I was doing two residencies a month for like six months. So then I would, then I would do like other shows and stuff. And this was all like in the first couple of years of me making music at all. So like, I really got like that experience that a lot of people wait for. But I, I won't say it's just a privileged thing. I would also say, too, it's like, I mean, I had to examine that because of the climate that we live in. And I want to be sensitive to that. But I also think that part of what the appeal was for me um, and part of something that's always been like a benefit to me as an artist is that like I am different than um, maybe like another even another girl rapper. You know, like my name is Uncle T. Like I kind of have like a shtick. You know what I mean? So that's gotten me like opportunities just because people want to kind of diversify um, their lineup and kind of wanted to give me opportunities because I wasn't maybe like everyone else. And I think that that's fared well for me um, in terms of just like people's kind of curiosity about what, I, you know, what my music is like and stuff based on like my name and kind of my persona or whatever like that. So I think that's a part of the reason why I had a lot of success too, uh, was just because I was, I stood out. Yeah, definitely. And as you've mentioned, hip-hop no matter where you are but in Minneapolis too it's definitely a you know male-dominated genre of music as many genres are but you know I've, I've been trying to find other female artists in the community yourself um, maybe down the line I could talk to Mayada um, but there's you know Ciroc and Lady Midnight and everybody around town but how many of them get as much press as you know Slug or Ali or anybody, right you know Definitely. Yeah, there's some amazing artists in Minneapolis. I definitely miss it. 
And I kind of like, I had to, I had to give up kind of like when I could move out, move down here, I kind of had to give up just being like a, being any kind of somebody, you know what I mean? Like I, I had to like totally start over and be like a stranger. And it's like, I've been going to like open mics in Philly and stuff. And I'm like, so sick of open mics. Like I want to do like shows, but it's like, I have to like kind of start over in Philly. You know what I mean? And like I said, I don't, I don't have any intention of being like, I'm ever hosting like a monthly show again. But if I were living in Minneapolis, like I would be throwing, you know, isolated events and throwing shows a lot more regularly. For sure. Yeah. I, I, that has always been my worry too, of if I ever move out of town, yeah, just starting fresh, but in a way that can be kind of fun. Cause like you said, you've been kind of meeting some producers around town and um, you have, what was it? A studio, just a few blocks from your place too. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah, it's been really nice, man. I have a had a session there tomorrow. Probably just gonna. I've been pretty antsy about releasing music because I've been working on that EP um, with Rising Path or with James and James Adam Meg, and we've been working on that. We're being really picky about it, and it's like, and that's how we should be. But I'm like, ugh, I feel like so eager to just like put some music out. So I'm just gonna go record a song tomorrow that I've been working on, and I'm just gonna put that out like as soon as it's as soon as it's ready, just to kind of scratch that itch. Um, cause I just, that's just, uh, I need to like express myself on occasion. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing for artists is, um, you know, I've had, I had a friend not too long ago. They said they were worried that any of the music they would put out that no one would want, no one would care that of what they had to say, that their words weren't important. I'm like, man, that doesn't matter if you feel good about putting it out, you know, that's your thing. That, that is a very tough thing and very understandable. But, you know, I always say, like, if you, like, if you don't, like, if you're not about your music, like, no one else is going to be. So you got to, like, even if you know it's not, like, super good, you have to be, like, this is my new song. You know what I mean? And it's, like, that's how you eventually get to the place where you really believe it. But there is a sense of, like, faking it till you make it with this kind of, with making music. You know what I mean? Because it's, like, you know, you'll never get past that if you if you let it prevent you from actually putting stuff out. But it's like I feel like I'm definitely at the place in my life. Like you mentioned business casual. I appreciate that you listened to that. That was the first project that I put out. And that was an example of like I paid a bunch of money for those beats, like all this. Like I it was like way more expensive than it should have been. But I just was trying to do things like to the extreme level that I could. And um, but yeah, obviously, like I've I like got to the place where I started taking stuff down from Spotify and like everything that I've ever made is on SoundCloud. But it's like, I finally got to the place where I was like, Oh, like, I don't want all this music, like accessible to somebody that's new to me necessarily. Um, and kind of like getting to the place where you are kind of starting to filter out, um, what you want people to see. And it's kind of cool to have like enough music at this point to be able to have that option. Um, and just have enough like content that like, I can kind of, I can have old stuff and new and stuff that I don't really want people to hear, um, as much, but yeah, I mean, I'm not insecure about any of my old stuff or anything like that. It's just kind of a cool progression to actually have enough music to be able to be like selective about what I want out primarily out in the world. And that that's definitely a lot of fun when you're putting together like live sets. Cause I remember like some of my first bands you know, you've only got eight to 10 songs, that's your set. But when you've got 
like you, you've got a couple of albums or a couple EPs and you can pick and choose and make a playlist for people. Oh, for sure. Well, and there's so much music that I have that I do at shows and stuff in Minnesota. That's like never been recorded. So it's like for my set, but I'm going to be doing, you know, somebody doing a show May 14th at Ice House. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was thinking about, I've been thinking a lot about the set and everything and just kind of like, you know, trying to figure out kind of what angle I'm going to go about it. And so that's been really fun because there's stuff, definitely stuff that's specific to like shows I used to do that no one else knows that I'm excited to perform again and stuff. Yeah. And I'm excited to see uh, that performance because I I don't think I ever caught you live, but I was Mm -hmm. You know, the end, what was that? Was that supposed to be December? Was that? Was the, this, oh, the other, the one that was canceled? Yeah, your homecoming. That was January. It was supposed to be like January 25th. Yeah. Um, but it was like COVID was super crazy. And it was kind of like, basically the venue was kind of giving me the option. And I was like, well, like, I really just like feel like a lot of people aren't going to come out because of COVID. And I just was like, uh, and it was like going to be super cold. And it was just like, I just felt like, why don't I just, if they're cool with it, like reschedule it to a time when it's warmer outside, when COVID is less of a threat. And like, I think it was the right decision. And honestly, like, I just have a tendency to put like too much on my plate. And like, I had moved out here like six months before and I was already trying to throw this big ass show in Minnesota. And I was just like, I was stressing myself out. And I was like, I was still going through like, I'm still going through like a lot of transition. And I moved to a whole new city. And it's like, I just had to like, had to kind of be like, all right, like chill out. For sure. No, that that was the right decision. And, you know, yeah, shit was just been crazy for years and then the past months. And it feels like things are kind of calming down. But glad to see you're in good health now. I know. I think we all. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I saw your thing. Well, it's like my girlfriend was the one who had COVID. I didn't have COVID, but like we had to like quarantine and all this stuff. And she actually still has like long COVID. She has like this like uh long rare long covid side effect where she like burps constantly and it's like oh it's really weird she's been burping for like months and i was like it's finally starting to get like a little bit better um but no i mean everything was fine i mean like her family had covid then we had covid it was just like it was just a mess um but we were fine we were never in too too bad of a way it's just uh it was just the way it was for a little while for sure Starting back with uh, your earlier stuff with business casual, your lyrics are very open. You're very vulnerable and you definitely are one to speak the truth. It's, I mean, it's a lot of stuff I can connect with too. You were talking about how you used to party and stuff. Cripes. I used to, I used to drink a shit ton myself and uh, just party every weekend if I could. So it sounded like a lot of reflection went into your, your lyrics as you were writing for that album and even uh, into the late bloomer. And I heard from Slug uh, in an, a recent interview that albums can be a good snapshot of kind of what you're going through at that time in your life. Is that kind of what you feel uh, some of those albums were like? I mean, yeah, I think that about like every song that I've I've made is it is that's a good way to look at it I've, I've said in the past like kind of like a souvenir of of the time frame that I was in I definitely feel that and it's really interesting because I I think when it comes to writing music uh, or writing at all like you learn a lot about yourself and about the way that you're feeling 
that you might, if you don't take the time otherwise that you might not know, you know? And so, yeah, I really like, I, I think that's an interesting thing because I have actually thought a lot about like the process of writing and, and I think we have a tendency as artists to write like a diary, you know, kind of like always are writing, like how we're feeling. And that's one way to do things. And people really relate with music. Like that is like personal like that. But now that I've kind of like, I've written so much, I've tried to kind of be a little bit more like intentional about like what I'm writing about in the sense or like kind of almost like a, like an exercise or like a strategy to writing. Cause it's like, once you write like so many songs and you're writing songs like all the time, when it comes to lyrics and stuff, like you want to kind of diversify what you're writing about. You don't want to be like, okay, I'm writing a song about how I had a bad day. And then the next week I'm going to write a song about how I had a good day or whatever. It's like, you know, you have to kind of get inventive. So it's like, especially since I've been more into like pop R and B stuff, like I will like kind of think of more of like concepts than I do. Like, and I'm, maybe it's not something that I'm even going through right now, but like, I can imagine what it would be like for someone else. And that comes, especially like when it comes to like stuff, songs about romance, you know, like a lot of R&B music is about love and it's mostly about like heartbreak. Right. It's like, and so it's like, I'm not actively going through a heartbreak right now, but I can tap into that and I can write about stuff like that. If that's the type of song I'm trying to write. And so rather than just kind of like let the words come to me and try to figure out what I'm writing about, I will kind of do it in the reverse way where I'll decide before I start writing, like what I want to write a song about. And so I've kind of shifted in that sense where I'm not necessarily writing about a present situation or even how I'm feeling at all. So, yeah, that's been kind of a fun thing to realize and learn from. All the life's a lesson in self-love, finding my way, and I've had to be tough, pain in the trial, feel like a bit much on top of everything else we all gotta go through, like what we supposed to do when it all becomes a glue? What we supposed to cling to? I think that's the issue, need to drink up a tissue, it's a crazy what we're living in, I don't know who to pray to, I believe in heaven just as much as the next do. But just how easy of a place is it for me to get to? Is it strange that I believe in God just to get to the day, protect the people that I love if you can hear me okay? That's cool. That's quite the step as an artist, yeah, to not just draw from yourself, but around you or create a narrative from from whatever, albeit thin air or others around you. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, what I like to do as like an exercise is kind of like I'll take like a random book and I'll just like flip, you know, open to a page and I'll just like kind of put my finger on a sentence and I'll kind of be like, you know, I'll just kind of like that's how I've been trying to write lately because I'm like, and kind of what can stir up my what can my mind stir up from something like kind of more random and where does it take me in my mind like what experiences does it lead me to remember um and stuff like that so interesting yeah Uh, did you know that I was watching this thing on Rick Rubin not too long ago Mm. and when he was producing for System of a Down for Chop Suey uh, Surge couldn't figure out any lyrics for that song 
I think they had the music mostly done. And he's like, you know what? Take this book, flip it open to a page and put a finger on it. I think it was actually the Bible <laughs> of all things. Oh, wow. Where a lot of those random uh, sentences came from. So, wow, that is super interesting. Yeah. Uh, so here I did not know that. So hearing that from you, I might have to try that too. <laughs> yeah, you should give it a whirl. It's, I mean, it's like you got to get creative with it when you write as, as, when you're writing songs every day, you know? Yeah. Uh, did you have your lyrics uh, fairly written out for Business Casual or did those kind of roll out as you got beats? Or? Yeah, no, there was no rhyme or reason to any of that. Like there was, um, it was like, just like, and that's the thing. It's like, there was even late bloomer was not like a cohesive album in the sense where it was like, it was just songs like thrown together, not thrown together. Like I had planned the album out to be that way, but it wasn't, I didn't think about it that way. Like, whereas this project I'm working on now with, um, with James, it's like, we have like that in mind in the forefront, you know, where it's like, it's more of a, an actual project, I would say. So with business casual, those were just like, I just wanted to have a collection of songs. I mean, I probably had only, I probably, when I came out with business casual, I'm sure at that time I hadn't probably had only written like 15 songs, you know, like ever. So it was like, I kind of picked the four from there. Well, and like you mentioned, you like to go 147% on whatever. So I imagine if you had that goal of let's get this recorded, just go for it. However you could do it. But I, it's definitely interesting hearing that start and then your progression as an artist. I mean, you're, you're already saying it now. It's you, you definitely you have the focus and, you know, you've had a lot of work and a lot of years to put into doing it this way now. A little more order. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And that's just the kind of thing where it's like, I think, you know, there's not necessarily any reason to compare, but just something that I've seen in other people and other artists is that you know, um, they're not really kind of willing. Some people just aren't willing to go through like that, the, all that turmoil to get to the place that, you know, you want to be. Um, and I kind of knew when I started, I was like, this is going to take me like a long time to get to the place where like, I want to be with it and where I'm like really happy with what I'm creating. And it's like, I think it's important to like have that mindset. Um, to like have a, a good balance of being happy and proud of the things that you're putting out, but also like having like a strong sense of like knowing in what ways it needs to be better, you know? Yeah. There are a couple of venues around town that definitely hosted a lot of hip hop. One of which was the basement of Ginger Hop in Northeast Minneapolis, otherwise known as Honey. I imagine you were there quite often because CMJ had some shows there too. So uh, what was uh, your time like at Honey? So yeah, actually that other residency I mentioned, I used to, I was a part of a residency at Honey. It was called Mixtape Monday. And it was really cool. Um, it was hosted by my friend, Matt Roberts, who was actually the manager, uh, the promoter of uh, Can Can Wonderland. So he got me like both of those opportunities. You know, I should reach out to him because, um, you know, I just owe him a lot of the experiences that I had. And I haven't talked to him in a long time. But so it was like a multi-genre sort of a thing. 
and every like there was like five core artists that per- performed in the show every week and we would do two different 15 minute sets and so I was like when at the time when I started it like I barely even had like 30 minutes of material like at all so it was like this huge stretch for me I was like I was like trying to write new songs to perform for this like residency that you know because I wanted to like diversify it it was one Monday a month so it was like it wasn't like every week or anything like that but it was just a really um, formative experience for me. So some of my best memories are really like at Honey. And then just like, and then there would be like cello players and like all like, I mean, there was a rap, there's like a folk band. There was just, I mean, just there was just like every kind of music that you can think of. Um, and I got to like meet people in that way and like meet people like cross genres. And then of course, lots of just underground like type shows, hip hop shows there. I mean, Honey is a, dear place in my heart as well as a lot of other people so that was a sad one to see go for sure and I'm very like I don't know I was Ice House is my favorite venue in Minneapolis for like a lot of reasons like I just really love Ice House but like a lot of the other venues that were around they really did close so I'm kind of curious as to how like you know the scene will kind of progress I know there's been some shows at like the Red Sea which I don't really like the Red Sea that much so I don't know if that's going to kind of be one of them. I know since Part Wolf just closed down, they were also kind of like a pillar of a lot of the local stuff, but they never had that good of sound, I have to say. So I don't know. It's just interesting uh, to see kind of like what will be. I know Underground Music Cafe has been hosting a lot of stuff. And so they seem kind of like, you know, sort of the new one to take sort of like a small underground venue sort of a vibe. But yeah, we'll have to see. Yeah, I'm interested to check out uh, the Underground Music Cafe, too. I've They've been coming up on my Instagram a lot, and whether it's comedians, rap. Right, yeah, they have a lot going on there. Which is really... I don't even know, like, who owns it or what the story is behind that, but there's been a lot of stuff there. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to investigate that myself. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Ice House, I haven't checked out yet, but for your show, for sure. Yeah, I, I did. a. have been in a lot of ska, reggae and punk bands over the years. Oh, cool. And so we played the Nomad a lot for like dance nights, mm. ska shows. Red Sea, we did a lot of shows there before we found out about the, the owner. And after that, we cut ties. Yeah. And shit. That was There's crazy. a lot of weird stuff about Red Sea. I feel like I just the vibe of the Red Sea is very I just I never liked it. It's yeah. on a couple of shows there. Um more power to people if they like it it's just like never been my it's never been one of my favorites yeah and i think the main reason for us was it was one of the few bars that would allow an all-ages show at the time and and triple rock once in a while if we could get a big enough crowd but yeah we'll see where the cities are in the coming months um yeah palmer's is all right uh yeah palmer's is okay i've done a show at palmer's before yeah little tiny stage in the corner there that's it's fun for that for a certain type of vibe for sure yeah yeah nice kind of divey feel Mm -hmm. and they have a for when it gets nicer out they have a really sweet stage out back now i'm looking forward to coming back to the cities and going to some of the old spots it'll be very nostalgic how's the weather been out on the coast then Mm. it's been like on average like 30 degrees warmer here So it's like, it really doesn't get like below zero here, really. So it's like a lot warmer here. It's like been the most like pleasant winter of my life. 
Oh, okay. Like, I don't really, I haven't really been cold, like, at all. Because, like, to me, like, 30 degrees is not cold. No, that's, so like, beautiful. It's not. Yeah, it's, like, super nice. So, I'm like, it's, like, most of the time, it's, like, it has, like, been very mild and very pleasant. So, I've been really enjoying the difference here. And I just, like, I take public transportation here, like, every day. I never did that in Minnesota because it's way too cold. Like, I don't want to stand outside and shit. Mm-hmm. But now it's, like, I live in a lot bigger of a city. So, it's, like taking public transportation is like way easy, way easier than trying to drive places. So that's been a cool transition for me. Heck yeah. That's something I thought of when I was talking to another friend. Bands or artists sometimes have a a ritual or just something to kind of get them centered right before they go on stage, whether it's like a group huddle or in my case, it was a quick shot and grab a beer (laughs) before you go on. Um, Do you have any kind of ritual thing you do before you get on or? Um, well, not really. I mean, I did so many shows, um, since I did like, you know, I was at least doing like one show a month for a really long time and I was like at the minimum. So I think I don't really have that, um, anymore. Like I don't, I used to do stuff like breathing exercises and stuff. So I used to run out of breath, you know, it was like when I was first, like, doing music and stuff I used to run out of breath because I didn't I had like I would write my songs with like no gaps and like I just and I just didn't have the breath control uh so I used to have stuff like but it was more like nervous tics basically because I was trying to like prevent myself from screwing up or whatever um or like I would get into this habit of like writing the lyrics of my song like on my phone like just to like refresh my memory because I was nervous I was going to forget the lyrics But no, not really. I mean, like, I, I still get nervous, like, when I perform. Not really, like, open mics, but if it's, like, a big performance. Or, I did, like, a show here in Philly um, in November. And it was a really, like, um, it was a really cool opportunity. I played with some really fucking talented-ass people here. I mean, I was nervous as hell. And, like, it was just an interesting crowd, too. It's, like, in Philly, it's, like, so, it's, like, not, not predominantly white. You know, so it's like I'm kind of like in a lot of situations where like it's I get I'm the only person that's that's white. And that's like been really a cool experience for me. But it's like it's also like it's it's intimidating, you know, and it's like it's and so I was really nervous, like performing. And, you know, especially like I'm about to get up on stage. I'm about to like rap about shit. And my name's Uncle T. And it's like no one knows me here. It's like I'm like, is my shtick going to like vibe with people here? And um it went super well. My girlfriend said it was the best performance she's seen me do. So I was really happy about it. Uh, but I was nervous as hell. And I think it's good. It's good for me to be nervous, you know, and it's really not that it's like, I'm not invincible to that or anything. I'm just saying it's just, it's a growth thing. It's always going to help you grow. If you kind of put yourself in a situation and try really hard and succeed. I mean, it was just felt really good. Yeah, that's huge. Uh, who are some of the rappers that um, you've made connections with out there? In Philly? Well, I don't, I mean, I don't really consider myself a really a rapper now. So like, um, well, I did like a radio interview, like a couple months after I moved here. So like with, um, with this guy named Teef, um, he's a real cool cat. He hosts a radio show out here and he's a hip hop artist. It's T E E F. So he's kind of like the main like hip hop connection that I've had. The rest of the people that I've met, like are like in like bands like they're not rappers so like i don't really have very many rapper connections here at all i actually like just did um 
actually that's not true i just was um i did a feature for the rapper here his name is sabir station this is his artist name s-a-b-i-r so i just did a feature on his newest project that's going to be coming out i'm not sure when i'm pretty sure soon but yeah i mean most of the stuff that i've done and gone to has been a lot more like r&b focused and just more like you know band type stuff so and i haven't really been presenting myself as a rapper um in terms of like when i meet people and stuff and open mics and stuff like that like i really just present more of a singer so i haven't been attracting as much of a rapper vibe because i haven't really been putting that out there yeah and yeah it definitely yeah since your transition kind of more into the r&b part i can certainly understand that yeah yeah and late bloomer was great i mean some of the things that really caught me are just like some of your hooks are just, they got stuck in my head for days. That's good. Like if you think about it, uh, I had to go through that song a couple times because the first time I hear the hook, I'm like, oh, it's cool. And then I realized that was ACK, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I heard that it was ACK. And then, uh, cause usually I was listening to your stuff while I was um, doing work. So I couldn't quite hear the verses. And then when I was dropping my girlfriend off in Wisconsin, I was able to actually concentrate on the words and how much it actually meant to me to hear that message was pretty big. Cause I mean, anybody listening, if you listen to it, it's, it's definitely a connector of we've all gone through some shit. And if you think about it, we're all going through it. So, mm-hmm. so it was a little bit of a hug for me. So thank you. I'm happy, I'm not when I'm not Good times, they come and they go Whether I like it or not These days, peaceful days, the ones I try to soak up You never know the next time Shit's about to pop off Usually around the time That things start to calm down But I just hate the fucking feeling Being back at square one I guess I gained some knowledge And that's gotta be worth something It's no wonder that I'm drinking I'm just trying to recover Don't get me wrong, I'm doing just fine that's that's really amazing to hear and it means a lot that you took the time to like listen to that whole thing and you know uh, just having anybody do that ever at any point like makes it super worth it for me just because uh yeah i mean it's just i put so much work and effort into it and it's like you just kind of want people to hear it and resonate with it and that's kind of the whole point so it's like i I love to hear that. I appreciate that. Yeah. Acronym or ACK as he's known by a lot of times is a producer that I worked with heavily. Unfortunately, he doesn't really produce stuff anymore, but I still have some beats and stems from him that I, that I will, um, I will do something. I will definitely do something with at some point because they're so good and they're pretty timeless too. They're really good. So I just haven't gotten around to it. I like wrote songs to him, but I don't know about you, but it's like, if I write a song to a beat and then like a couple years later, I want to decide that I want, I don't like that song and I want to write a different song to it. It can be really hard because I'm so like, you know, stuck on the song that I wrote initially. So I'm trying to give myself enough time away from those songs to like forget about the songs I wrote before, yeah. <laughs> but I want to resurrect some of those for sure. Well, yeah. Sometimes that fresh year can really give it a new vibe once you come definitely in life experience and everything. Definitely. Yeah, it's been, you know, um, a very profound experience for me to move away from Minneapolis and to kind of 
put myself out there in a new city. I'm going to go do this open mic on Tuesday at this place called World Cafe, which is like kind of like Philly's like First Avenue, like sort of like their like elite sort of like venue. So imagine like First Avenue had an open mic, right? Like it'd be really cool and everybody would want to go to it pretty much what this is like so i'm super pumped because it's like i'm pretty tired of doing like the regular bar open mics that are kind of like they don't seem super fruitful for me um but they've helped me make connections with people that i'm friends with now which is nice but i'm just saying like it's nice to be able to have an opportunity that feels like more of an opportunity um to like network with some people here that i admire so definitely yeah well i'm glad you have that opportunity to do that very cool So you were living here uh, in 2020 in South Minneapolis when things started going down. Yeah. How was that experience for you with all that? Um, well, I mean, so I was living on 33rd and Elliott, which is the basically 33rd in Chicago. So I was one block in. And so I was like really like right in the middle of everything that was happening. Uh, and I was living alone. And it was, that was fucking scary, man. Like it was very scary. Like, you know, just have your neighborhood be burning like that. I mean, I don't know if you were in the area at the time, but it was fucking nuts. I mean, I think it was a needed experience for Minnesota and for the world and how the international impact it had was super important, but man, it was scary. Like I, you know, these past few years, it's just like, just talking to my sister about this, like, it's so crazy to be like living in a textbook right now, like a history textbook, you know, it's like, and now we've got this whole like impending war thing going on. And I'm just like, you know, maybe it was unrealistic of us to ever think that there should be a time in the world that is without these things, mm-hmm. because maybe that's an idealistic, you know, like ignorance is bliss sort of type attitude, because I think like we kind of like to be surprised when stuff goes down. But then it's like, if you look at history and if you look at the world and you look outside of just America, you know, it's like things have never stopped being crazy. You know, there's always been active genocides in the world. And it's like, there's always been horrible things. It's like your perspective changes based on how much like information you give yourself. But I'm just saying, like, I think I'm kind of retired the idea or the notion that like things should be peaceful or things like should be calm. Cause I don't know that we have a lot of examples of like long periods of time in history where like these like major events weren't taking place. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just, uh, the, the grip is getting tightened on those of us in the middle and lower class of any chance of survival. It feels like, yeah, yeah it, it's definitely been a need. It's just a matter of when the hell is going to happen. Yeah. It's sad when it's that a life is, needs to be taken to really get that fist in the air. You know, and that's true. And, you know, I think as artists, it can be really hard to want to continue creating in this kind of a climate. And that's something that I've struggled with a lot. Mm-hmm. And just like, kind of like, oh, like, what's the point? Like the world's ending anyways, or whatever. But it's like, I really shifted my perspective on a lot of it by just being like, well, I will make art until the, till my last dying breath. You know what I mean? If this is the one thing that like, I tend to be extremely ADD. I tend to be extremely anxious person, always really struggle with my mental health and things like that. Like so many of us, 
but it's like music is the thing that like that I I can really hone in and I can focus and I can obsess and I can escape. And it's like, and it's also the thing that I go to for solace from other artists. You know, it's like when I, you know, it's like, it's the, it is the thing that like keeps us together um, is art. And it's the way that we connect and it's the way that we escape and all these different things. So it's like, I'm thankful that I don't have that sort of perception anymore where it's like, I don't, I'm so like, down by everything that's happening in the world that I don't want to create where it's like now it's like well what's more valuable than creating in this in this setting there you know this is probably the most valuable thing I could be doing or be using best way to use my time so yeah yeah I, I know a lot of my punk friends have been using this time as a means of creating art for sure mm-hmm. um but yeah that like you said it can be difficult because uh, I mean, or even if you're still just like working and trying to get through the daily, it's like just having the energy to even just make it home and then have all right. the brain. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I, um, it's definitely challenging. Like I, I have a full-time job and so I, um, you know, I, I do a lot in my life and I'm learning that I'm learning that even when I don't have like a lot of time to create music, like I'm always like, my mind is always that way. So it's like, even if I don't have time to like sit down and do stuff like that, like I'm like writing and I'm building things in my head, like at every moment of the day. So in a sense, I'm always preparing myself for the next thing I'm going to create. And as we get older, it's having to find that balance for sure. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. Like I'm trying to find my balance between this um, work, girlfriend. Yes. Family wants to, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but yeah, I, I always have a beat or like a guitar lick in the back of my mind or something. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah, it definitely kind of gets us through the day as artists. Yeah. So for your new stuff, uh, has have the recent times, uh, will they be playing any part in the lyrics you've been writing or? No, no, actually not really. They are. No, no, not at all. They're really more like, I don't know, man, it's all about the vibes for this one. So it is, I guess there's like elements of things that are going on, but it's more, uh, I don't know, like I mentioned before, it's a bit more of a cohesive sort of a sentiment, but it's not, it's more of like a vibe, almost more of like a color when it's all like kind of one specific color in terms of like the way it all feels. So I don't know. I have to check it out. I'm, I'm like so close to the end of it, but it's like, there's just so many edits and the people that I'm working with to like record and mix it are like, it's like, we mix it like in studio. So like I, everything that I have to continue to go back with edits and then like I'll record and edit like in those sessions, but it's like, they're not working on it when we're not together. If that makes sense. So it's like, it just takes a long time because they're not, um, because I have to do it in kind of like, gaps um of time so whatever i'm not sure when it will be done i mean it's done technically but it's not done so um i don't know i'm gonna get some art made and i'm hoping i'm hoping to have the project out by like june so for sure well for for quality product it takes time so it just does yeah and that's okay so that's why i was like fuck this i'm gonna make another song i'm gonna put this another song out that's not from this so that i can just just do that. Oh yeah. So I'm gonna like I'm probably I'm gonna shoot a video when I'm home too. 
So I've got all kinds of plans for when I'm home, other than seeing my family and friends and shit. So keep busy. I'm going to be busy. Yeah. I'm going to try to like just squeeze in as much as I can. My twin sister, I have a twin. She's getting married in October. So I'm going to be back in Minnesota, like a couple of other times. So I, I can't stay too long because I'm going to have to be back a couple of times, but for sure. Um, so do you have a history in cooking or in kitchen? Cause I, I know you have side hustle salt. So I was curious. Um, so I have a history of liking salt basically. And, um, I was kind of like trying to think of ways to supplement some of the expenses that music cost me. So I decided to start a business selling something that's like very authentic to me, which is seasoning salt. So anybody that knows me knows that I'm like super into seasoning salts. And I, I've always I've tried all the weird local ones and all this stuff. So I just tried my hand at making my own. Um, and it went really well. So that's just something I also do in combination with my music is, you know, make and sell all purpose seasoning salts. So, yeah, I mean, it's been a pretty big undertaking. I think kind of my personality, it, you know, like we talked about before, it can be pretty gung ho. Uh, and it was like, oh, yeah, then I'll just like start a business and I'll just like do this, like on top of like my music stuff and like my career. So it's like, it can be a lot to juggle and I can't even lie. Sometimes I'm like, I don't know why I started this business because it sometimes it feels like it takes away from my music, you know? And so, but uh, ultimately like I've just decided recently just to chill, like chill out, like in the sense where it's like, I can't be pushing like salt all the time because it's exhausting to push my music and to push my salt business. It's just, it gets exhausting. So it is what it is. It's, I have, I do consistent sales of it. Um, sometimes more than others. I make a lot more money during the holidays and stuff but it's like i've just decided to kind of just relax with that like it's like i was trying to like you know i have like you know commercial license for it and all this stuff to like sell it in places and all that stuff and that's all fine and good but it's just like if music is like the main thing that i want to do i can only really devote so much time to trying to make that all happen so i'm trying to like remind myself to just let it happen kind of organically rather than try to make it like so extreme because it gets to be very overwhelming. Um, Cause I also, like I mentioned, I have a full-time job. So I'm a, I manage a housing program for formerly homeless men and women. So I have like a very, like I'm on call 24 hours a day. I have a very like intense job. So like that in combination with the other stuff I'm doing and like all the stuff you mentioned, like family, girlfriend, exercise, grocery shopping, just all that stuff. So it's like my priorities are really music is really my number one thing outside of my job. And uh, salt's kind of like I'm kind of putting it in the backseat. And the sensor is like, people, please feel free to buy it. I would love that. But I'm just saying, like, I'm not going to push this to the point where um, it consumes more of my time than I'm willing to give. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thanks for taking the time with me today, T. Mm -hmm. um, look forward to uh, the Ice House show in May, correct? Yep, that's right. Cool. But keep busy, you know, stay healthy. And it was really cool to hear a bit more about you and um, look forward to meeting in person down the road. Yes, De most definitely. Yes, I appreciate the, the conversation and the opportunity. It's nice. Well, have a good rest of your Saturday. Thanks. You as well. Take care. All right. Talk to you later. Bye.